Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. It's good to be with you again this week. Um, super excited about our guests this week. Uh, we've got brother and sister Troutman. Um, who are uh, new to our area, newer to our area yeah. um, in the Boise Nampa region. Um, but they are a husband and wife that teach together at Rocky Mountain High School uh, Seminary up here. And uh, welcome. It's good to have you. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Yeah. It's a yeah. unique opportunity for us. Yeah, it'll be fun. So let's, uh, let's just take a minute, get to know you a little bit. We're going to be uh, in Haggai and Zechariah today when we get talking. But uh, I, want, I want you to tell us a little bit about you. Go for it, Brother Trotman. <laughs> well, um, I'm from Idaho, and uh, I went and I met Sister Troutman up at BYUI. Came to find out that in order to become a seminary teacher, or and I don't know if it's still this way, but you had to be married. Yeah. And so my brother is a seminary teacher as well, and there's a lot of people in my family who are seminary oh, teachers. I didn't know so that. I just kind of that's cool. I just figured I'd you know give it a shot. <laughs> And my brother knew Sister Troutman, and she was student teaching, but not married yet. So uh -huh. I think my brother just really wanted her to get a job. <laughs> so he set yeah, us up. He's and, like, hey, but for the record, I didn't have to be married. <laughs> yes, oh, I was different yeah. sisters. For oh, guys, you do. Oh, oh. Sisters, yeah. This was not a charity thing. So it was because you loved me. Is that the only reason you married her? So she could get a job? <laughs> just trying to be nice. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Well, that's so fun. So you met when she was doing uh, uh, her student teaching? Yeah, so the pre-service yeah. director up there uh, poured concrete on the side, and I was about four days home off a mission. And, and I poured concrete, like, as a summer job since we weren't teaching. Oh, wow. I was, like, his right-hand man. Oh, of course you were. And so, <laughs> right? Yeah. You'd obviously so, expect that. That's right. right. Yeah, and, and his older brother was helping as well, and so he just brought Cody along on this oh, concrete fun. pour, and yeah. that's how we met. The rest was history. Oh, how fantastic. That's so fun. Yeah. Well, we're in for a treat today. You guys are just so dynamic and, and uh, exciting to... It'll be exciting to hear you guys kind of banter from, from each other. Yeah. Um, in, in your... <clears throat> In, in talking here today. So uh, let's jump in. We're, we're in Haggai and Zechariah. Um, maybe just simple background. Th these are two prophets that uh, had gotten taken captive into Babylon uh, when Jerusalem got captured. Um, we're maybe a little later than Jeremiah. Uh, like Lamentations of Jeremiah was obviously after they'd gotten taken away. Um, Haggai and Zechariah are probably when they're coming back. Yeah. Jerusalem after the 70 years captivity. Um, so with that much context, I don't, just don't know that we need a lot more. Mm -mm. Um, where would you take us? Where, <laughs> where should we start? Okay, I'll start us off here. Okay. <clears throat> I, I think this was the perfect time in my life to read Haggai because here you have this group of people that have just experienced something they probably never planned on in yeah. their lives, right? And you have some of these people coming back to Jerusalem mm. that were there when they were taken by Babylon. Mm. Like, they are now coming home. Old, but they're coming home. Sure. And, and you can imagine that, like, this was probably a pretty emotional experience for them to yeah. come back to a place that they had grown up and loved and have it not look or feel anything like it did yeah. when Before. they left. Mm. And as I was reading this, I was like, wow, we have all kind of lived the same experience yeah. because of COVID. Right. You know, like we had these, not 70 years in captivity, but we had these few years where we were kind of pulled out of our normal routine. Yeah. We were pulled out of what we were used to, thrown into an uncomfortable situation. We had to adjust and readapt and figure things out. And then now we're back yeah. things are more normal but it's not the same so you have to figure out like 
what does it look like now? Like, what does my Jerusalem look like now? Sure. I'm not the same person. Yeah. The city is not in the same place. Mm. So what do we do? I love that perspective. <laughs> mm. That's so fantastic. Yeah. And, and maybe we're seeing um, some come back into town, respectively, saying, mm, I don't really want to be back here. Yes. And, and we're seeing a sifting and a little bit of that go on in, in members of the church that we thought were, were going to be so solid. And it's so sad to see them come back and, and question yeah. what they've had their whole lives. And now all of a sudden, because they have to rebuild a little bit, it's, yeah. it's a little more than they want to do sometimes. Yeah. Interesting. And I think it's like, um, you know, verses five through seven, we have this cool little sandwich <clears throat> where he invites them to consider their ways in verse five. And then he says, you've sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled. And you have clothes, but you're cold, like you're earning wages yeah. and that it's going into this empty pack. And then he sandwiches that again with consider your ways. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting preface to this group of people that are coming back into um, a very different situation than they had left yeah. to say, okay, we, we're going to have to look at what we're doing. And what we did in Jerusalem prior to going to Babylon probably isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. But what we did in Babylon is probably not going to work here now. Right, for sure. Like, we need to step back and consider what are we doing yeah, that's, and what needs to shift. That's yeah. great. Um, you know, within the context of, of what's going on in this chapter, and is it the verse 2? The people are saying, this time has not come to build the Lord's house. <laughs> yeah. Right? They're like, we're, we're, we're going to oh, build yeah. our own houses first. And <laughs> Where are we going to, build to live? Right. And, uh, and he's saying, no, no, you, you need to put things in perspective and do the things in the right order. And let's build that temple first, and and the Lord will take care of us in the, in the process. Um, you have clothes, but you're cold, and who could change the temperature? Right? Yeah, excellent. <laughs> you have food, yeah. but you're hungry, and who yeah. could? Right? Who I mean, like, let's let's put this rain. in the right order. But but isn't that us too? Right? Yeah. But we are that way. We we look to our own um, capacities to fix our problems before we look to God, and God becomes secondary to us solving our solution, finding solutions to our problems. Well, and even that, I would say that we put our own problems ahead of the Lord and what He's asked us to do. I mean, just last night I was having a conversation with um, uh, our Elders Corn president just discussing needs and and how common it is to to just want to do, like, your ministering or share the gospel or or do those things, but, or even study the scriptures as a family or whatever it is. But we've had a lot of, of people in Corum being really honest and real, just saying, that's great and all, but with what time? Yeah. Like, we have jobs. We have families. We're trying to do all of these things. Yeah. And so how are we going to do that? And it's really hard to take a lot of those really basic fundamental needs, right? Like, here in the scriptures, they're saying their homes, their clothing. Yeah. But these are, as far as Maslow's triangle of needs, Right. Yeah. this is like fundamental. Sure. But the Lord is really testing us to say don't worry about that trust me yeah right you put me first and it'll work out like president nelson said if we go chasing after happiness and and success in our own ways it's going to be exhausting yeah. but if yeah. we trust in him then it'll work out it's the only real way to do it yeah it's but fantastic. it is hard it reminds me of uh, uh the brother jared mm. in the book of ether <laughs> where um, they've they've come to the seashore. They've had the, all these experiences building little barges as they cross waters over the course of their leaving, um, and and uh, they get to the seashore and they're told to build a barge and they do. He goes and he builds the barge, but then he comes to the Lord and he asks. And I just opened it here. He asks some interesting questions. And the order that he asks them is interesting. He says, "Behold, Lord, in them the barges, there's no light." Well, of all the things he's going to ask about, consider how important light is. <laughs> right. There's no light. Well, mm. whither shall we steer? Okay. <coughs> First is my comfort and be ability to see. Second is, how am I going to get to where I'm going? And <laughs> right. third is, we can't breathe. <laughs> Like, Which should be probably first. should be the first. Yeah, question, like right? who decided that that was third yeah. on the list? Well, what's You're cool fired. and and maybe instructive to us is the Lord said in the next verse. The Lord said unto the brother Jared, "Behold, thou shalt make a hole in the top, 
Yeah, he starts he, with the breath. He answers the, the questions in the order that they should have been answered. Light's the very last one. And it doesn't even really matter how we do that. Yeah. So what do you got, Brother Jared? What yeah. do you want? Yeah. Well, touch a rock with your finger. <laughs> like God could have come up with like LED bulbs in that at that Amen, time, right? right? But, the rock is not but the it does, greatest But it just idea. doesn't matter. Some some of those things don't matter. So it's it's such a wonderful um, topic to begin today because it is um, priority. It's that we put priorities where they should be and let the Lord prevail. Well, can I just, can I jump onto what you just said there? Sure. Matt, I think it's really interesting about the priorities and, and, and how the Lord deals with that is, as I look at this with a different lens, as you were talking, here they're worried about something that to them is super important, um, but the Lord has a more eternal perspective and sees, you know, yeah. bigger priorities. And with the brother of Jared, you pointed out, right? First is comfort yeah. and convenience, you yeah. know, and then at the end is life or death. Right. But the Lord answers and responds in the right order. And it just made me think about a lot of questions that we often have regarding church policy or history or things like that. And how it really is important to remember that, like, all that he has revealed, that he's now revealing, and he will yet reveal many things. Yeah. But if you think about it, what are the most important things that he could answer for us? Mm. Those are all the things that he has answered. Yeah. And there's a lot of other things that are trying a lot of our faith, and, and that's okay. And yeah. that's, I'm not trying to, to say that some questions aren't as important, but, but to know that the spiritual life or death questions, he's answered. Yeah, and, and even if you go back to just the restoration of the church, he, he restored it in the most important order, order. right? Yeah. The, the priesthood comes first, baptism comes. Temple is there, but you have to have these things in place first. Yeah. And then when they get to, to Zion, it's the same issue these people are having, right? It's, hey, hey, here's where the temple goes. We'll dedicate the ground. But they wanted to build their own houses and set up their own city first. And they do the same, exact same thing that yes. people of Haggai's time are doing here. I love, too, though, that in chapter 2, is there wrestling with this. And I mean, we've seen very similar things too. Right before COVID happened, we had the change in the youth program right. where they have different goals, right? We don't have personal progress mm -hmm. or whatever young men have. Yeah, what did they even was. have? I don't even know. Duty to God. Boys. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, Boy yeah. Scouts? U.S. Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> Merit know. badges? But like, we had this change and then like we coming out of COVID when we now have an opportunity to like refocus and recenter. Yeah. I've noticed in our ward that's been a really slow, people yeah. have been slow to to focus on the things that have been talked about. But I love in, in chapter two, when in verse five, he, he reminds them like we have, I mean, if you have a paper copy of scriptures, this is page 1167 yeah. in my book. We are deep we are into this. <laughs> yeah, we are, we have seen a lot of yeah. time. And yet he, he goes all the way back to when they came out of Egypt. And he mm. says, I like, I am still the same God. Do you not remember that? Like I took mm. all of these people, I took your people out of Egypt, clear back then. You don't think I can take care of you now? Mm. You have these records of the manna in the wilderness and the yeah. parting of the sea. And I think we, we often get caught in the same zone that we forget that he this is the same story over and over again, yeah. just with a different group of people. And he knows what he's doing. And he knows what he is asking. And he knows why mm. he's asking it. And we just have to, to drop our lack of understanding or our frustration with the process and say, okay, I trust that you've done this a lot more than I have. So if you're asking us to build a temple first, by golly, we'll dig a hole. Yeah. Let's build a temple. Yeah, and, and he, he also has the ability not only understand perfectly what was done and why it was done, but also what's going to be done. Yes. Right? And so, the, you know, in this chapter in, in particular, Haggai starts speaking about the Messiah yes. and the need for a Messiah to come. And these things that we're doing in, in temple building is a preparation for that that will be better than what we are doing right now. Yes. He talks about the, the Law of Moses a little bit in this chapter and uh, in particular, the the law that was don't touch a dead person, um, and he's <laughs> yeah. saying kind of this is the same that. as us, right? It's just, it's anyway, it's same it's as us in that we shouldn't touch dead people, or same yeah, as us yes, oh. <laughs> don't don't as a general oh. rule of thumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, it, well, can I can I jump to verse uh, nineteen? 
Yeah. Uh, which chapter? Where are you? Uh, at? Chapter two. Chapter two of Haggai. Verse oh yeah. 18. It says, "Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day will I bless you." We haven't really even gotten fruit yet, and and in the context of talking about the Savior, He hasn't come to do yeah. what He's going to come to do yet, and and yet. The Lord's still going to bless us. The, the, the seed hasn't even been planted to, to take our sins yet. And yet yes. he's still giving us the fruit. He's still giving us the, the benefit of the, of the atonement, even before the atonement is even wrought. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Pretty cool. That's the Jesus I love. You know, I, like you. the Jesus that takes care of before, during, and after. Yeah, right. I love that. Guy. But it, it takes you to the Book of Mormon when it, it talked about the Nephites when they would they were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah and talking about it as if it already had happened. Right. You know, and I just just that kind of faith, you know, to trust in this that even though something hasn't happened yet, we know that He's already yeah. blessing us. He hasn't come yet. He hasn't done that. But to them, it didn't matter. Their faith was such that it was like He had. Yeah, and it speaks to their understanding of the, the gospel that they knew, right? They, yeah. they got why they were living the law of Moses. They fully yeah. understood the <laughs> sacrifice and what it was supposed to do. We really don't get the, the loss of that knowledge until the end of the Old Testament during the, you know, the, the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament where the, the Hebrew people just started living more the, the, letter, the spirit of the law and letter of the law became so important, yeah. you know, that, that they kind of missed this, the spirit of the law in the, in the process there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Can I actually draw your attention to, this is jumping ahead, but to yeah. Zechariah 7, yeah. just going off of what you were saying, just that idea and that it starts to get lost and is in the beginning of Haggai, that sandwich you were talking about, Emma, with them considering their ways... And just looking at that kind of perspective, you know, like I just kind of look at the rest of these like, well, let's consider how we've been doing these things. And they had 70 years to to figure things out, right? To think about yeah. what they had done. But sometimes time doesn't necessarily mean progress or change, but we assume it does. But in Zechariah 7 verse 5, he points out kind of the way mm -hmm. they're living the law in the fast. And he says, when you fasted and mourned, verse 5, in the fifth and seventh month, even those 70 years, did ye at all fast unto me, hmm. even to me? Hmm. And when you did eat, you did it for your, or did you not eat for yourselves and drink hmm. for yourselves? And it just made me think, you know, are we like, is everything that we do, is it, is any of it for him yeah. or is it all for us? Um, and so just kind of starting to think about my own ways and... <clears throat> what am I doing it for? Well, and what for a, yeah, what a powerful message, it, and and one that's very relevant and and real right now with the uh, the updates to the uh, for strength of the youth. Yeah, you know mm -hmm. that that uh, I listened to a podcast. Oh, by the way, I should just pitch that podcast. Um, if you just Google search uh, church news and general young men's presidency, come um, uh, and probably include in the search. Uh, for, the, for Strength of the Youth, um, the, the podcast that they did, the whole General Young Men's Presidency got together oh, and awesome. did um, a podcast where they talked about the new For Strength of the Youth and what it was and what it wasn't. Oh, nice. And it's awesome. But one of the things that they bring up in that and connected to what you just said here is we have for so long been obedient to the law that was written down in a for strength of the youth. And mm -hmm. there's a bullet list of things I should and shouldn't do. And right. I do it not because <laughs> maybe like Daniel, it was purposed in my heart, but because it was told to me and written down. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and the it. law of the fast, I know how to fast. The, the detail of a fast is described to me. I know how to do that. And so I do it. And I'm miserable the whole time. And I don't, right? and I'm telling everybody I'm fasting and how hard this has been for me. And right, woe is me. But but we miss the purpose of the fast, and and we don't do it unto the Lord. We do it for ourselves. And really, the answers as to why are you fasting, or why aren't you drinking coffee, or why don't you date until you're 16, have been 
in the past, my church doesn't let me. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is effectively saying my parents' church yes. doesn't let yes. me. Because, right. because until it's yours, until it's something that you say, I don't want to because I've purposed in my heart and learned right. Right, all these things and reasons that I don't want to do that. I think it's just a, a perfect example here of, of uh, how we do that. We do our own, we understand the gospel conceptually and we live it like that as opposed to understanding it in our hearts. And it's a relationship. It. Yeah, right? And I love, this makes me think of Hosea when I was reading this chapter because in Hosea 6, 6, um, the Lord says, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Right. He's not saying the sacrifice and the burnt offerings are bad, but he's saying you're missing the point. Like everything that we do, and and even like the whole point of their captivity, you would hope that that turned their heart, their heart right. to back to God. And like, hey, yeah. we have a broken relationship we need to mend yeah, here. Right. Yeah. But for some of them, it probably did. For some of them, probably didn't. But like that was the point. And then again in Zechariah, he's like, hey, guys, the point is the relationship. We are not, this isn't just a routine thing that we do because it's fun and it fills time. And so we're going to build a temple. So we're going to do this. We're going to mm -hmm. offer burnt offerings. All of this should be preparing for that Messiah that Haggai prophesied is coming. Yeah. And so that when he comes, we will know him yeah. because we'll be like him. Like yeah. we will have established that relationship. In, and that's the same message to us today too, right? That, yeah. That the Savior is coming again. And our goal should not be to just be obedient to the things he's told me to do, but to want to be like him, to yes. want my parents' church to be my church. Yeah. To want to be able to say, I don't drink coffee because the Lord has told me that I shouldn't. Yeah. And I trust him. I don't know all the reasons why, but but I know that the Lord's spoken through a prophet in our day and told me that I shouldn't do that. And it has nothing to do with a rule written down in a for strength of youth handbook, right? Yeah. Yes. Or 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 anything that way. And I think I just think there's there's a lot of value in us considering our ways, considering why I do what I do, and can I claim more than just the church said so? The yes. prophet said so. Can I, can I, is there something more in my heart that I can identify? And if we're talking about like big picture, we're trying to gather Israel <laughs> for mm. the Lord's second coming. That, because my church said so answer doesn't cut it. No. It, it doesn't work. I, I don't know of any experience I had as a missionary <clears throat> or otherwise where that answer was enough for someone. Right. They're like, that's it. That's the only reason you're doing that. Yeah. Well, do you even know why your church says so? Like, Man, where, what, right? where did that even come from? <laughs> and that's not if we. But if we do know, if we have had that connection and that transformation of heart. What did they say in conference? The was it like mighty a, change of heart? Yeah. The, but the, he used the blood transfusion, right? Oh or yeah, as the, as the oh. analogy or the bone marrow transplant, something. Yeah. But like, if we have had that, so like, we, our very nature has been changed. Yeah. Then when we answer those questions and we testify of a modern prophet called by a loving God, that will prick someone's heart. Like that, the spirit will testify of that because yeah. that is truth, not just a statement that we've practiced sure. saying of, well, my church said no. Right. But like that's something yeah. that the spirit can testify of because <clears throat> that's something real. That's something valuable well, to it's, you. It's higher and holier, right? It's yeah. more than what it has been. My ward isn't a whole lot different than yours where we literally, just the last fifth Sunday we had, sat down and reviewed the new church young men, young women's program yep. because no one's doing it in yeah. our ward. We're, we're all <laughs> right. like, uh, what do you want to do Wednesday night? I don't know, what do you guys want to do? Let's Basketball. kick a ball around. <laughs> yeah. it, right? It's like, no, there's a plan, there's a program. And, and so, it, but what was interesting to me in that meeting was one of the very first, they wanted to talk about the, um, uh, for strength of the youth as well, and and one of the first comments made was that the churches the churches made this change because some of the policies and practices in the old for strength of the youth are outdated. And I'm sitting in the front row, just like <laughs> biting my tongue and like, Duh! no, you're missing it, right? <laughs> yeah. That that <clears throat> that the language sure maybe needed to change in some ways to to be a little clearer, a little less whatever. 
but but the message is so much more and so much higher and holier. Yes. Um, uh, Bro Brother Wilcox, Brad Wilcox, a member of the presidency of the Young Men, said it's like when um, the missionary lessons went from six memorized yes, lessons to the preach my gospel. To the preach my gospel. Many missionaries Hallelujah. went, woohoo, I have less to do. And then they got in on a mission going, oh man, this I have to work. figure out how to teach this now. <laughs> yeah. I can't just quote it some paragraph. more of you now. Yeah. 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 Why I don't date until I'm 16 now really requires some cognitive thought and effort with God to say, why am I mm. doing that? Which is so good. Right? Yeah, no it's wonder so you made good. the change, right? Because, like, what's, what I find so fascinating, too, and I'm going to let myself in, myself into this because I'm not too far removed from the generation sure. that, you know, <laughs> the youth of today. Yeah. And, and, you know, we it's really easy for older generations to be like, wow, this upcoming generation has so many problems, right. you know? Yeah. And we can point all those out. However, something that I... I mean, these are the, the youth of the latter days. Mm -hmm. And gosh darn it, they want to know yeah. why they're doing things. Yeah. And they will not do something that right. they do are not bought into. That's true. They won't. To a fault sometimes. Mm -hmm. But like they do have this desire and this passion to, to fully live a truth that they're claiming to mm -hmm. believe. And I think this first strength of youth pamphlet change is such a cool thing for this generation because they want to buy into something yeah. and, and they want to live something that they feel wholeheartedly about. And this gives them the opportunity to do that. Yeah. This isn't just, well, because I said so. This is, <clears throat> no, you you read, you buy in. Yeah, you spend be, time with Jesus. Yeah, the because I said so worked for me and my generation, but but doesn't work for them. And yeah. I think there's a lot of power <laughs> in it too that, that um, just like Haggai and Zechariah here that that the people had to come to it on their own. They had yes. to, they had to own it for themselves. Yeah. And what a beautiful message. Which is message, why we're here. <laughs> right? Yeah. What a beautiful message that the, that the Savior now trusts them much more than he trusted me right. to go find the answer on your own. Go pray about it. Listen to the Spirit. Know what the Spirit feels like and what it sounds like for and you. And he trusts them to act on yeah. it. My daughter, in, in response, right after the, uh, the change was made, my daughter, my daughter said, Dad, I'm so excited. This is pretty cool that my generation is the first generation that's been given the, enough trust in the, by the Lord to, to do this. Yeah. And I said, yeah, is there anything that makes you scared about it? And she says, yeah, I don't know what to do with my kids because <laughs> I have the old list I can look yeah. at and reference. <laughs> but, and, and maybe that's true for us too. Yeah. Right? We, awesome. we raise our kids based on the old list now. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, but what will it look like when she has a 15-year-old and... Uh, he likes a girl and yeah. wants to start dating. And it, will it be sixteen? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe right. she assesses his, you know, maturity level and and says, "Hey, you know what? You're fifteen and a half, and I I think it's time. Let's talk about how you're going to do this." And yeah, and, and maybe that's okay that that those changes would would be made slightly to those to those old steadfast rules, right? Right. But, but she's going to have to really articulate that differently then with her own children. Yeah. And and not only then is is the uh, Lord seeing them as able to learn, but also then able to teach. Yes. On a completely different level. Oh, yes. 100%. Which, again, going back to the gathering here, which was talked about in both Haggai and Zechariah, this idea that someday the Lord is going to bring everyone back, yeah. which to them was probably like, how? We don't even know where the North is. Right. Yeah, <laughs> what right. even happened to the right. North tribes? <laughs> but dead. he's like, we're going to bring them back. And and this is big picture things that you might not be able to wrap your head around, but you have to trust that I'm going to prepare you to do that. Yeah. And for these youth, for us, this is the preparation. You're not only going to know how to live it differently, but you are going to know how to teach it differently. Right. And that will turn you into a better gatherer yeah. because your life will become your teaching. Yeah. And it will be much more natural and easy for you to express to other people, why do you do the things that you do? You've had practice yeah, teaching you'll, that. You'll be testifying of it. You won't be yeah. pointing to a list saying, see, it says not to. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> right? well, I had this experience <laughs> yeah. with Jesus and, right? and this is how that changed me. And this is yeah, what I'm well doing said. because of that. Well said. Let's, let's back up. Anything into earlier parts of Zechariah that maybe we should touch on before we um, we keep going? There's so much in here. There really is. 
Well, I did think Which, chapter yeah. six. Well, actually, I'd, I'd say chapters one through six just really reminded me of Sister um, Brown's talk from conference mm-hmm. on, you know, the glasses, the glasses and yeah. and making sure that we're putting on our Jesus glasses. Yeah. But like in these first few chapters, there's there's quite a few references to things that are going to happen in the future. Yeah. And and we also live in an age where we're preparing for things happening in the future. And I just love the idea of, of making sure, I think it was in, what is that, chapter, yeah, chapter 1, verse 3, where he says, Turn to me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I'll turn to you. Like, you, let's just keep this channel of communication tight yeah. <laughs> and open. And, and I'm going to walk you through some things that you might not fully comprehend or understand, mm-hmm. and that's okay. But we're going to do this together, and you just stay focused on me, and this mm. is all going to work out. Yeah. Even if you don't fully comprehend how or when or where or what it will look like, this idea of, of staying focused on turning to Christ and, and keeping that relationship solid so that whenever something needs to happen, when it is time for X, Y, or Z, we're ready we've been listening yeah. the whole time yeah. we've been there with him yeah i really like that um I, I i think that well back to zechariah one it maybe connects to this um verse three it says uh, therefore say unto them thus saith the lord of hosts turn ye unto me saith the lord of hosts and i will turn unto you saith the lord of hosts it, it in my in my mind as i've kind of painted what that looks like it seems to me at first that that means the Savior was turned away from me. And oh, maybe, yeah. that, maybe that's true in some degree here where, where he's allowed um, Babylon to come in to take Jerusalem. And he just kind of turned his head and let that happen, right? But, but there's something about our day where it, when I wander off, I end up to the left or to the right of where the Lord wants me to be, right? Mm. And he's facing forward all the time, constantly facing forward, help, helping me tr- tread the path, right? But... But if I turn to him, he'll look left to where I am and say, hey, come this way, mm, right? He'll, I love that. He'll go that, he'll go that far to say, <laughs> I see you over there. Here's the way to get back to where I am. Never leaving us and never turning away from us, really. Right. Just turning to us. Yeah, right? I Not, love that imagery. Yeah. I think that's great because, wow, do we need that? Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's the, the part of the Savior that, that connects with us when we have straight, that's the part that invites us to come back. Like, can you imagine if he yeah. didn't turn towards us? Yeah. If he just like snapped his fingers and was yeah. like, all right, hey, you know, here. whenever. Yeah. Right? But like, <laughs> no, but I love that. Um, that reminds me of the scripture in somewhere in the New Testament mm-hmm. <laughs> where it says like Jesus beholding him, loved oh, him. Yeah. This idea of like, he will turn to you. He'll see you yeah. exactly where you are. And he'll help you come to where you need to be. But he's not afraid to look. Yeah. Yeah. He's not afraid of you. He's yeah. not afraid of where you might be. Yeah, beautiful. It's, <clears throat> the, it's the Hosea love, right? Yes. Yeah. That is, I don't care how far you've gone and who, how many people you've cheated on me with. Yeah. yeah. Right? Come back. <laughs> I want you I'll back. I'll be your husband and I'll, I'll, I'll be here for you. This is your home. Well, then go to, go to chapter 4. Zechariah. Yeah, Zechariah. I think it's in 4. It says it a few times. For the first place where it says this. Oh, no, it might be. I don't know the first time it says it, but one is in, I think, seven or eight. So he talks about, oh, oh, eight verse two is one time he says it. He says it before. I just don't know where. Um, But in eight verse two, he repeats this and says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with great fury. And we... Uh, using that imagery, right, where if we wander off, Christ is face forward. And, and like you said, he's not actively making bad things happen in our lives, yeah. right? But he, he lets bad things happen to us when we yeah. do yeah. things that warrant that. I mean, yeah. it's a law. But the, <laughs> There's right, consequences. Right. But the whole time I love and I've thought about why is it that in the Old Testament, uh, it, it's almost like poking a bear in my eyes. If somebody really doesn't want to talk about something or really doesn't want an answer to something or 
or doesn't want you to fix the problem, right? You probably shouldn't say anything, yeah. right? Uh, but yet, they're really throughout the Old Testament hard-hearted and rebellious and turning away, and even in those moments, the Lord is crying out to them and says like hissing after them mm-hmm. and going after them, mm-hmm. and it just shows kind of this jealousy that He doesn't just turn around and be like, all right, do whatever you want. Yeah. See if I care. Yeah. But it's, I really care what you do. Right. He's relinquished control of our agency. He lets us choose. But I love this jealousy that's like, I really, I care who you go to. I care what you do. Yeah, that's important. And, and, and I think also we think that because he allows us our agency, he never puts up anything around us to guide us and direct us. He just right and, and some <coughs> parents, like free range chickens. I, yeah, right. right exactly. <laughs> like, but that's not the way it is. And I, I, I know some parents who are like, well, they have their agency. My eleven year old can choose to come to church or not come to church. It's up to them, right? Right. And I'm like, mm, no, you got to give them some boundaries, right? <laughs> yeah. But, yes. But it, and maybe we're giving away a little bit. We we pre record these episodes and and we're kind of in the Hosea sphere right now in yeah. in our With in our personal love, studies. Yeah. And it, to me, it reminds me of that experience where um, the the wife uh, was going and uh, uh, going a whoring. Yes, and, uh, I love that verb. Going a whoring. Yep. And she said, "I will go after my lovers that give me my bread, and my water, and my wool, and my flax, and my oil, and my drink." Yeah. This is back in Hosea chapter two, verse five, and then in verse six. Listen to what the Lord says. He says, "Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns." And make a wall that shall not find her pass. That she shall not find her pass. He doesn't just stand there and let me make whatever dumb choices I'm going to make. Yeah. Oh yeah. He puts walls up. Not even just a wall of like hedges. It's of thorns. Yeah. Things that are prickly that are going to make me like, oh, I don't want to go that way, right? And 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 it is jealous. It is. It is. Uh, I love that word. It it maybe uh, connotes some negative stuff in our world today. But I think the Lord being jealous of love that we offer to other things yeah. is right. That yeah. he's like, no, I want you to love me. I want you to come back to me and have what I offer you. Totally. And and so he gives some thorns every once in a while. You think about Nephi and the Lamanites being, being raised up to be a scourge unto the Nephites that they would be kept in remembrance. Yeah. yeah. Right? Not because I hate the Lamanites. Not because you're a problem Nephites, but... I'm going to use these people who know less and whose parents aren't going to teach them right, who I don't have to hold as accountable, to be a scourge to you people who do know so much more Yes. so that I can keep you because I'm not worried about them. The, I, don't, yes. I don't have to hold the, the standard for them is a lesser standard right. on some levels because they're not raised with the same knowledge yep. you have. And so I'm going to help them keep you humble. And that's a thorn, right? A whole nation of thorns, maybe. Yes. <laughs> right? I think that's such a great... Like, I remember being raised thinking that the Old Testament was fire and damnation yeah. from on high. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's how I was taught it, sure. too. Yeah. And as I've been going through the Old Testament, though, I I think we had it so wrong because yeah. we see... We see these hedges. We see the things that the Lord is yeah. doing to try and keep Israel. But I sure hope that we also see why he's doing it, which is because he loves them so much. Yeah. And he's so concerned about them. And and I I mean, mm. from a parent perspective, I'm, we don't have kids, but I remember thinking my mom was my worst enemy because... <laughs> I was not allowed in high school. I never went to a friend's house, ever. Hmm. Like, we didn't have friends over. I never went to their houses, ever. Wow. I know. And granted, I lived in the middle of nowhere. That did complicate <laughs> some things, but... It's not but like you were shunning everybody. Yeah, right? yeah. People to begin 90 with. miles however, in the neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> however, I remember feeling like my mom was the enemy because all my other friends would get together after school at yeah. somebody's house and... Not Emma. Emma just had to go home. And fast forward a couple of years, and it like just dawned on me that she was trying to protect me. Like mm-hmm. the things that my friends were doing were not good. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. were not involved in good things. True. And yeah. some of those friends before graduation had ended up in some really hard places because of the choices that they had made. Yeah. 16-year-old me didn't see that far ahead, sure. so I just felt... I felt the thorns. I felt the hedging and yeah. was like, this is so mean. Yeah. 
not recognizing that my very concerned mother was just trying to protect me from the cliff on the other side. Yeah. And, and so she hedged my way and had to be the bad guy for a 16-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. But I'm so grateful that God does do that, that he cares enough to set boundaries. He cares enough to say, look, you can leave, but, but it's going to be hard if you leave mm -hmm. because I want you back that much. Yeah, it would be worse. And yeah, I, I think, it, I don't know if teenagers will ever quite get that, you know, yeah. in the moment, but, but if we can come to understand even a portion of that idea that, that he loves us so much that all of these maybe fire and damnation things that we see in the Old Testament is not so much because he is angry with them, but so much because he is jealous and wants them back yeah. from the world. He wants them back from whatever they have gone after. Well, and maybe there's a reason we go through those phases as teenagers so that we can look back on them and remember them as adults, right? Yeah. That, that what a relevant and very um, applicable concept for all of us that feel like um, there's a thorny hedge in our way mm -hmm. yeah. that gets angry about the thorny hedge, that, that sees it as a, as a conflict in our life that we want God to just remove, not realizing that there's a 300-foot cliff on the other side of it. Yeah. And, um, and yet the Lord has, uh, the, with the eternal perspective, can see the other side of that. And, and so really, maybe, maybe the question is, what thorny hedges exist in my life that I'm kicking against? that yeah. I'm pushing up against, trying to get them to move so that I can have what I think is better and, and maybe I need to slow myself down and see, yeah. and, and like Haggai says, consider my ways. Well, yeah. I, think, I think too you hit on one of those. One, consider, yeah, that hedge and what you said, what I think is on the other side, I would, I would ask myself to consider what do I believe is on the other side? Yeah. You know, because I think the world is so good at Telling us and, and making us think that it is greener on the other side right. of the hedge. Yeah. Oh, the children of Israel, yeah. We see that all throughout. This wonderful green pasture on the other side. And, and that does, it makes him the bad guy. But, and so maybe what do I believe yeah. is out there that is better? Yeah, I think you know? about, I think about uh, young adults in particular that, that are thinking and pushing so hard to find themselves married. Mm. Um, and, and man, we talk about that at Institute, and that mm. is not something we want to, to push too hard on. But, <coughs> but sometimes I wonder if the Lord really is helping us prepare ourselves so that when we're married, we can accomplish the things that He has in store for us. We can raise our children better. We yeah. can do the things that he, he really has a goal for us to accomplish. And so in that, in that context, in a, in a moment of... Um, dismay at not being married, I'm afraid we might miss the opportunities to say, what could I be doing right now that would prepare me to be married? Yes. Or what could I do right now in my in my schooling that could prepare me to be the dad that I want to be or the mom that I want to be um, in how I teach my children? How can I consider the things I'm currently doing and the things that I feel are conflicting me or afflicting me and see them as benefits to me yeah. in some way, that, that, that maybe I should be growing from yeah. them instead of shunning them and, and shying away from them, stepping up into those thorns and saying, why can't I go this way? I, I'm supposed to go this way. I'm going to trust that. But maybe there's something to learn about the thorn and not go left or not yes. go right, right? <clears throat> yeah. and, mm. and I think sometimes, like we have seen repeatedly with the children of Israel's story, like sometimes we push against the thorns for the right reason. Like we, we know eventually God wants us to be in a certain place, right. but for whatever reason, that path has thorns right now. And, and so it's, we're not getting through. And we might ask ourselves, especially with marriage. And I would argue even having a family, there's sure. so many, we have so many friends that want kids so desperately and they just can't have them. Mm -hmm. And that is most definitely like a thorny hedge yeah. for them. To what seems like, I'm pretty sure I know what's on the other side of this wall. Sure, like yeah. it, it is God's path, right? right. But the Lord's, the Lord's grand puzzle of things mm. 
is so much bigger than what we can see. And, and I'm, at some point, mm. that way will be clear and we'll get to go down it when the time is right. Wasn't it via Sikahema who said sequential order, right? Yeah. When the time is right, and not when the time is right societally, and not when you think the time is right, but when the time is actually right. Mm -hmm. When God says now, yeah. then those ways can be made clear to us and we well, can open that. Yeah, I love it. And, and back to Zechariah 1, um, it's interesting, uh, verse 12, Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which thou hast had indignation with these three score and ten years, 70, 70 years? This is an angel yeah. going to God <laughs> saying, Hey, how long are you going to do this to them down there, right? <laughs> Somebody keeping the clock? Do <laughs> right? we even know? Yeah, do we, uh, it's painful. been 70 years, God, are we aware? <laughs> but then listen to what he says. He says, And the Lord answered the angel that talked with me, with good words and comfortable words. And he says, so the angel that, that communed with me said unto me, cry thou, this is Zechariah, saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy, and I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease, for I was but a little displeased and then helped forward the affliction. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts, and the line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Cry yet, saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, my cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion and shall yet choose Jerusalem. Mm. Isn't, it, isn't it exactly the Lord's way to even have an angel come to him and say, hey, do you know what's going on? <laughs> That's yeah, us, I love right? that. We, we are that. We are that. We're yes. the guy going, in my calling, I should know, or in my assignment, <laughs> yes. Heavenly Father, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And even an angel has said, hey, yeah, we're going to be okay. I am yes. aware of Jerusalem, and it will yet be what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And that, oh, that's such a, a beautiful message like you could tie this all together with a bow going yeah. back to Haggai yeah. as they're looking at Jerusalem that is in shambles and being asked to rebuild a temple and they're probably exhausted like they're who like, just got out of bondage <laughs> yeah <laughs> like do we really have to do all this right now yeah. and and yet he's saying I know what I'm doing I yeah. know what it can be and we're going to get it there and that that's who I am haven't you learned that through all these thousands of pages, haven't you learned that that is the God that I am? I am a God who builds. I'm a God who elevates. And it might not be what you think, and it might not be when you think, but that's my job. That's what I do. And it'll be better than you think. Yeah. So right? much so. So much better. Uh, I, I wonder if maybe the overarching message in these two books is a phrase that I don't know that six months ago I or a year ago, I would have even been able to articulate what it means. But President Nelson's use of let God prevail oh, is yes. this. Yes. Right? It is yes. get out of the way, let the hedge exist, yep. turn when you feel one, yep. go the right direction, and let the Lord tell you where to go and how yep. to be. And let him prevail in your life and your life will go right and, and you'll have what he's promised you to have. I, I think that message is is all over all of these books of scripture, mm -hmm. all of these Old Testament books where the people are being called to repentance and called to become more than they were. Um, it is us in our day, isn't it? It's, it's us preparing to usher in the Savior, not in spite of ourselves, but because we're ready for yes. Him to come, right? Yes. We're ready to bring Him in and we've let Him prevail and, and when He comes again, we'll, we will let Him yeah. work in our lives that way. Oh, that's a good phrase. We'll let Him come. Yeah. I love that. And going to, to Zechariah 7, what you had said, and notice because, and this is just one of those little divine interventions, you know, where this revelation and this connection was made because he, as a type of Christ, is saying, come back and I will treat you like I will betroth you to me in righteousness, in judgment, in mercy, in compassion, in loving kindness. And then looking in here at Zechariah 7, in verse 9, it says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy and compassions, and oppress not the widow. And so looking at that covenant relationship, I mean, He has shown us who He is, and He's now, through covenants and commandments, asking us to become the exact, like those same attributes, right? Mm -hmm. Loving, 
merciful compassion mm. um, and seeing them become that. And when we let him prevail, mm. that's who we become. And that mighty change of heart comes and we have no more even disposition to do evil, right. but to do good. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a wonderful way to say it and tie it back to the Savior coming again, right? That, that we will be better because um, we don't want to be that way anymore. Not yeah. because, the, not beca and the Book of Mormon talks about this, right? That Satan will be bound not because Christ ties him up in the corner with some really tight yeah. ropes for a thousand years. You know, it, it, yeah. it's none of that. It's, it's that I won't let him have any influence in my life. And probably there's some involvement in the Savior and Satan pushing him away, but... There better be ropes. Right. I'm, I'm banking so. on that. <laughs> I just want to see him tied up, visible, okay? Right? <laughs> well, uh, brother and sister Troutman, this has been wonderful. If there was a message uh, that you wanted to share with the young people of the church, um, maybe in connection to this, but maybe just in general, what would you say? What, what would you want them to know? Hmm. I would want them to know that God really is good. I used to think that that was a lesser title. Like, why don't we say God is great or God is amazing or God is extraordinary? But that simplicity, like God is good. There is nothing about him that is not good. And that means that whatever he works in your life, you can trust mm. at some point mm. will also be good. I love that. Thank you. Brother Troutman? Just to add to... What Sister Troutman just said, I would say that um, just what, what is said at the beginning of Haggai, to consider your ways. Um, we see through God's jealousy, through everything He does, to love, to invite us back, to do those things, even, you know, hedge up, um, that He really cares where we're going and what we're becoming and what we're doing. And I would just ask, do we as much? And I know that, that sounds kind of oh, What a great question. But I wonder if we want what's best for us all the time. And as we consider that, uh, I think we're going to find that Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ don't want opposite of us. We want the same thing. Yeah. And then we see them as allies to help us get yeah. the greatest desires of our own hearts. Yeah, and maybe our goal is to be able to see eternally what He has to, to offer us. And then I want to become uh, able to receive all that. Yes. Which, which is a change mm. in me, right? To be able to receive everything that He has for me. Amen to that. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you'll come back and be with us again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Love it. Thank you again. We'll talk to you next time.